2: All right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian
3: Jonah Podi, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner program.
1: Good morning, Tom. How you doing?
3: Hey, at least I got the Tom part right.
4: Stay tuned because it's on now. The Tom Sumner program. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
0: I have to lay low for a while So I'll be staying here inside It's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side When I'm in my in my little place to hide, my heart is aching and I'm missing. Phone so tight, and I whisper you a good night kiss, I'll see you on the other side, when I crawl out of my cage, when the world is purified, I will find you and I promise this, I'll see you on the other side, I'll see you on the other side. On the other side, and I'll meet you with arms up and wide. See you on the other side, see you on the other side, see you on the other side, and I'll meet you with arms up and wide, see you on the other
1: side. The time of summer.
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a parenting expert at Brainly, and we've had uh, guests from Brainly on before. They've uh, recently done a study and uh it's good news for michigan we made the top five states where students spent more time reading this past summer and here to talk about that from brainley is patrick quinn patrick welcome to the show
5: thank you thank you for having me and congrats to your state
3: hey that is a nice thing we've we've gotten we've gotten beat up a little bit in recent news stories and, and and uh very often when michigan makes national news and this is probably true for a lot of states around the country and a lot of cities when we make national news it's usually for something kind of horrible this is really nice and in an an unexpected consequence of uh, the coronavirus i think is is that the impression that that you get
5: It is. You know, it seems like there's a lot of stuff that people weren't expecting about um, what coronavirus would do for students out there. You know, everybody was mostly concerned with what are we going to do with the students. And uh, so it's it's funny to see what the um, what stress indicators kind of fell onto the students shoulders and what sort of path the kids took from that point on.
3: Yeah, I just have this picture of. uh you know 20 years down the road what 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 are uh what's the class of 2020 going to do for a reunion everybody stay home
5: yeah (laughs) a a giant zoom meeting (laughs) yeah yeah,
3: exactly um you know people you know are talking about their class year you know people are going to just hang their head class of 2020 (laughs) (laughs)
5: yeah Oh, man, their classmates, it'll just be pictures of their computer and their, you know, their dog. (laughs) Tell
3: me real quickly, um, Patrick, what Brainly does for listeners who may not have heard one of our previous visits.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Brainly is, um, the best way to think of it is an online study group. Um, So it's a place where students can go, if they have questions or if they're struggling in a subject, they can punch a question into Brainly and then kids, thousands and thousands of kids around their age, who know the subject will be able to help them to find the answer and better to under better understand the subject um, it's a free service for any kids uh, they have over 250 million users a month and it's really great because it's not just like an answer farm which is something all parents are concerned that their kids are just going to go online get the answer and move on um, what brainly does is has the kids really help each other out help them to understand it the process, help them to understand maybe a background if it's a historical question. Um, and it really reinf- reinforces the learning of the kids who are helping the ones who are struggling. So it's just a really great community. Um, and uh, my kids love it, and I love that they have it because I can't answer their math questions these days. So I, I tell them to go to Bramley.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's something about new math, Patrick, that just, it just, I, I don't know how it gets to the right answer.
5: Exactly same. I I can get to the answer. I just don't know. I can't show how I'm supposed to do it these days. For because the kids have such a different um, a different process. What made What
3: made you at Brainly decide um, to to study this was was there something anecdotal and you said Hey, we should dig down on this a little more. <laughs>
5: You know, there's uh, with Rayleigh we're always trying to look for um, different trends in data and different trends in education um, because it tells different stories about how, you know, different areas are reacting or different areas are, you know, um, are are receiving changes in their life like coronavirus. So um, it's just a way for us to kind of better understand the students, better understand the areas where the students are. And to get a, to try to figure out solutions on our end to be a better product and a better service, um, for the different students. Cause everybody's reacting differently. Everybody has different, um, different ways that they are, um, handling the, the coronavirus. So, you know, everybody need, everybody needs to adapt when it comes to the teachers and the students. And then services like Brainly, we want to adapt also and be able to be there for them by predicting what might happen and understanding what is happening with the students these days.
3: Now, I was a little bit surprised, and I don't know why. It could be just regional bias or something, but I was a little surprised that Texas topped the list. Yeah,
5: yeah, Um <laughs> It could be the size of the state, you know. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of us uh, in Texas. I'm actually in Texas. I moved here not too long ago. And and um, there's, but, yeah.
3: It you're right. It's a huge state. I've driven across it, um, but it, it, I, I guess uh, when you can't go any place, that's a lot of no place to go.
5: <laughs> there is a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs>
3: But, but I was a little surprised because um you know, because a lot of Texas is outdoorsy, and kids could be out doing stuff. They could be riding horses, they could be you know playing in the crick. I mean there's just a lot of stuff that kids can do in Texas if they want to get away from the screen.
5: Yeah, yeah, I think it just comes down to where the um the clusters of people are really concentrated you know because we have west texas i mean yeah you can walk for days without seeing another another person if you wanted to but then you have the the real centers of uh population that are pretty crammed in tight like houston and dallas and austin um even san antonio places like that that sure. are really you know they and their populations have been blowing up so that kind of takes the uh the numbers and adds it to there i mean a good portion of the texas results may have been people from michigan you know who have have moved down here recently yeah
3: i know well there was a there was a big wave of that 20 or 30 years ago and i um i used to tell people when i traveled they'd say where's flint and i'd say well it used to be 70 miles north of uh detroit but now it's in houston
5: (laughs) (laughs) that's where everybody is yeah (laughs) it's uh it's sometimes rare i'm in austin so when you meet somebody who's from austin you're like whoa you're, you're actually from here amazing so yeah it's uh it's a it's a big spot for everybody to be moving into
3: um new jersey and illinois tied for second place um how how did that work uh, just just because they literally had the the same percentage of uh kids that were reading
5: i think so yeah it's um it, it's a rough percentage so i think there's a uh, there's a bit of a um like percentage that it could be off by, um, so when it comes really close, they'll just kind of put them up, put them together on there. But you know, good reading states though, so we're just happy to see as many as many readers as we can out there.
3: Yeah, I, and it, and it's kind of interesting to notice uh, what they're reading, um, and and I would guess that you're talking about um, for this study primarily middle grade kids
5: yeah that's right um brainly mostly it, it mostly it, it is geared towards middle school up through high school so um that those are the students that they were um targeting for this this data set
3: yeah i when i saw that the uh most most read book genre was dystopian fiction and science fiction i thought yeah, we're talking middle grade kids here.
5: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's the uh just the content that they love and I mean, I love it too, but uh but for sure that is where most of that is geared towards. What
3: what is it about you know, we this year has just been crazy, Patrick, and you know that as well as anybody. And you know, we've had a pandemic. We've had you know, all kinds of, of racial problems and protests. We've had fires all over the Southwest, a record number of hurricanes for any one season. How is it escaping to read dystopian fiction? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's just uh, if you
5: can take yourself out of the out of the current dystopia and put yourself into a fictional one, and it's, it's got to be a a little ray of sunshine maybe after this year. Um, yeah. It's like, well, hey, the
3: kids are having more fun in this dystopia.
5: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh man they've got they've got better tech in this dystopia than we do, <laughs> so um yeah, I mean that is it, it certainly must lean lend itself to a certain sense of escapism, even if you're escaping into a different um, a different set of problems and uh, and issues. Um, but but, yeah, it's, it's not, it, it is it's a good thing, though, for the kids to have their imagination out there and reading things that take them to different places because they literally aren't able to go traveling to different places these days.
3: Yeah, they were reading uh, dystopian fiction and science fiction and uh, mystery and crime thrillers. Now, I wasn't too surprised about that. I'm a, I'm a huge mystery fan. Um, but... Some of these numbers are kind of interesting, the way you've broken them down. Over 40% of students read between three to six full-length books or novels over the course of the summer.
5: Yeah, that's right. Um, And were you surprised that that was more or less than what you were thinking?
3: Um, I would have thought one or two.
5: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You see, see I'm, my, my view is it was skewed for a little while because our daughter is a voracious reader. So if we had based our thoughts on her, we would have been like, well, kids are supposed to read about 10 to 12 books a summer. But then we have our son who reads one book uh, every three years. Right. So, right. But this summer he did knock out a couple more. So it was it was, it was we saw the trend firsthand in our family. Um, so it wasn't such a surprise. But it was. Um, it, it is nice to know that the kids are really kind of picking it up, and they're and they're they're you know using books as if they. I mean, if they have to have some kind of an escape uh, route, then books is a pretty great one to have.
3: Yeah, a third, a third of them, or nearly a third of students said they read seven or more. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. That's that's a bunch more with Patrick Quinn, parenting expert at Brainly, straight up. In.
0: Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. tom sumner program celebrating the rich talent pool from flint genesee county and throughout michigan
2: Remember those fabulous 60s? The Marches, the Beans the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. you will thrill to Society's Child by James Ian. Pleasant Valley Sunday by The Monkees. What Have They Done to the Rain by The Searchers. In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley. Silent Night, 7 o'clock news by Simon and Garfunkel. And who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry McGuire's Immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring Vanilla Fudge, Blue Chair, Frigid Pink, Moby Grape, The Electric Prunes, Jeff's Airplane, Lothar and Hand People, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden in protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something that will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send 3.95 and check your money order, plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's 3.95 and check your money to Apple House
1: Box. 70K. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Program the Tom Sumner Program.com. This
0: is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
3: More with Patrick Quinn, parenting expert at Brainly, straight ahead. Do you have any sense or feeling that it may have been skewed because technically summer was quite a bit longer than expected? (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> that is a good question, I wish I thought of that because yeah, summer definitely was almost it seemed like an eternity this year but but it was uh at least uh, two months longer than what it normally would have been i've i've um, been
3: I've been tempted to to write a report on how I spent my covid vacation
5: <laughs> it, it's a continuing uh, vacation i guess for everybody <laughs> that's really funny uh,
3: well we have we have snow days in uh in michigan you know where the roads are just so bad that you know they cancel school and the kids get a day off and and it's always kind of a celebratory thing it's like yay snow day and, and this just feels like the longest
5: draggiest snow day ever <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah the uh the novelty of it wore off way quickly and i totally remember snow days i, mean, I grew up in new york and we didn't have many I was I grew up close to New York City but and I was I worked as a teacher for a while too so even as a teacher, you were excited for snow days the snow day came it was like, yes, you know you have that one day off, but having those that, at first that first week it was just strange and like kind of figuring out what was going on. but once we got once all the kids get into the uh, the the daily activities of it, you know it loses its shine and Man, like, my kids are more excited to go back to school now than ever, um, and it's, it's, it's funny because now it's like the opposite of a snow day, is a school day, if they can go back for some reason. Yeah, and, and according to
3: this uh, survey that you did, 74% of the students nationwide said they read more unassigned books during the 2020 summer vacation than they did last year. That's a huge increase.
5: It, it certainly is. And it's, a lot of it has to do with tech out, that's out there also, you know, with the um, kids that if, you're, if there's a popular book and you go into something even like TikTok or, you know, Instagram or any of those and just type in certain hashtags that would surround specific characters or something like that, you can see how the popularity of these books grow through social media also because the kids are able to find other books or other readers and it becomes almost a community online in that sense that they're finding other people that are into the books. And then from there, they're able to find new recommendations. Or if they know there's a group of people that are excited about a certain book or a series, it really prompts them to go reading it also. So, you know, we do hear a lot of, uh, like, negative stuff about the social media and, you know, stuff you really got to watch out for for the kids. And that's 100% accurate and true. But there is always the uh, the rays of sunshine in the social media also where the kids are able to you know, well, take it's been some a, kind a, of an element and turn it into something great.
3: It's been a lifeline for a lot of people during the uh, the the various shelter-in-place uh, directives, and and I and I wonder if this uh, boost in reading by young people isn't maybe screen
5: fatigue. Uh, that's that's a very good question, um, and maybe something we should put into our next data set that we get out there. Um, just well, I'm just, I'm just wondering because, yeah.
3: you know, we talk about kids and they're online all the time and, you know, they're texting their friends and watching a music video and, you know, doing their homework all at the same time. And then all of a sudden there was this intensified on lear- online learning. And, and you know, Zoom chats with friends and, and uh, um, not, not so much Zoom as... Uh, is probably oh, I just went out of my head. I can't think of the, the term for it. Skype, um, you know that they start being so much more aware of the screen. That taking a break from it seemed like, you know, a, a really pleasant thing. A real great way to get away from the the routine.
5: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 gotta be nice for them. I mean, especially now with, when, when the school is online, the screen is all they're seeing, you know, all day long. Um, and it's, 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 it's unfortunate. And I, I, I'm not sure about Elvin, Michigan, but down here in Texas, at least in the district that we're in the kids who go to school, they still have to be on a screen as well. So they have to sit there and even if the teacher is in the room, they're learning through the screen because it has to be a fair um, sense of, Uh, Education for the kids at school, from the ones at home, also. So they are um, basically on screens all day, even if they're in school live. So, so getting off of it and getting into getting to a book, it's got to be a a nice a nice uh, relief from that from that screen fatigue, like you said.
3: Yeah, I I I think it's kind of interesting some of the things that have. Developed, uh, you know, this whole idea. Uh, you, we were talking. About, you mentioned schools and and what school districts were doing to get kids back in the classroom, and they're still experimenting with it in districts all over Michigan. Um, some have uh, a group of kids coming uh, every other day, and you know, then on the off days they're <coughs> studying online. There are some kids that are doing all online. Some kids that are you know back in school pretty regularly, uh, it, it's it's all over the map right now.
5: Yeah, yeah, and and it seems to be like it's it's really a fluid situation um, where because you know as a teacher I know I, I, I'm still friends with so many teachers who used to be former colleagues of mine and you know we know that they are they're trying to figure it out at the same time as we are. And another survey that brainly did besides the one about reading was about the stresses that kids um, are feeling because of COVID and, Interesting. and being from home. Um, and part of it was one of the big um, suggestions was for students to, I mean, for parents to keep the students apprised as to all the changes that happened because things were like, even in Texas, they started and then they closed again for a certain segment of, uh, of kids in, in the Austin area because the tech just wasn't up to snuff at, at the moment. So a bunch of kids were supposed to start one day. They got pushed back another two weeks. So that kind of those changes just seem to be happening for all the districts as they really try to figure out what's going to work best. And as they, they do more of this online learning, they're going to figure out more of what is successful and what maybe isn't working, and they're going to have to drop stuff and change things. So keeping the kids up to date with all those changes, as soon as you know it, it lets them know that they are part of the process of figuring it out also. So it kind of relieves some of that um, stress for the new, this whole new world that we're in for uh, education.
3: Well, a lot of the schools and and school teachers, for that matter, um, on a moment's notice, had to basically reinvent themselves and 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 figure out a way to educate and maintain a distance you couldn't you couldn't be socratic you know and just have a group of people in robes standing by the river you know discussing the important issues of the day um scientific discovery and so on but um you know i i I can't. I can't help wondering and, and uh, wanting to ask if if that ended up being something that that Brainly, who is primarily online, was able to help with in some way.
5: Um, I mean, it, they definitely help in the sense. Like, I know, as speaking as a parent, I know it helps in the sense. Like I said, with the ma- with the math questions that I don't know that I don't know the answers to. It's always great to have um, the kids be able to use that so I'm sure as a teacher also because like you said they had to reinvent themselves they're used to walking around the classrooms and being able to talk to the kids one-on-one and if somebody has an issue you know stopping what they're doing in general and having a quick like one to two chat but when you're online you can't it's way more difficult to do something like that Um, as a teacher if you stop to address the one person and maybe take that two minutes talking to one person through zoom you're gonna lose you know, sixty to seventy percent of, of your other students who are now just you know in their living room looking around. So um, it's it's it is hard, um, but but it's nice that Brainly is there to kind of fill that gap for the teachers. Um, so if they if this student is stuck and the parents are working and they're maybe in meetings or something like that, they're able to have that resource to go to and ask those questions and get the help that they need from you know kids who are learning the same stuff they are and. Teaching them at the level that they are at.
3: Now I have to ask you, Patrick, um, and I don't, and I don't mean to be uh, uh, disrespectful or, or facetious in any way, but what is and how does one become a parenting expert? Yeah.
5: <laughs> and you know what? It is a funny term um, that was kind of get given out there. Um, I think that the reason that I'm, uh, I'm kind of put into that hole is uh, a number of things. I mean, I have three kids. I have a, 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 a girl who's 13, a boy who's 11, another boy who's four. But every parent out there, you know, can at that point claim to be a parenting expert. Um, I was also an educator for a long time in New York City. Um, and I used to teach swim lessons and things like that. So I did education with kids. But I also um, ran one of the co-founders of Life of Dad, which is a parenting website. Um, And that was my full-time thing for uh, close to nine years. It turned into one of the biggest parenting communities in the world um, when it comes to the dad side of things. Um, So So. it was a number of years of parenting content, parenting interviews with with other parents, um, going to parenting conferences. So I, I kind of – I do have that little bit of an edge, although I would never really claim to be a parent expert for somebody else's kids. Every every parent is the expert for their children. Um, I just happen to be in the parenting space for a long time on a bunch of different levels, uh, working with kids, working with parents, and working with everything in between. Um,
3: well, I, I see that you, you sent along, and I appreciate it, um, some – uh, tips that you have for parents who want to encourage their kids to read more because this this has to be inspiring to to parents who just wrestle with trying to get kids to even read the things they're assigned, let alone you know read for you know pure enjoyment and and you've uh identified uh four tips for parents and uh, the first one is reading rewards. Is it really okay to to buy our kids off?
5: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know it depends on the kids. Um, sometimes <laughs> I guess it would say, say um, like I mentioned before, what our daughter reads. We'd never have to even prompt her. We have to prompt her to stop reading sometimes, so that she'll brush her teeth, or you know, one of those. I mean, she's one of those kinds of people. Um, but our son, um, he really he kind of like he likes reading when he does it. But sometimes if we ask him to, he's a little combative about it. He doesn't want to. He gives pushback. Um, so having just little rewards is is just a great way to have that little incentive. And it doesn't have to be something big at all. You know, little inexpensive prizes or maybe something like, hey, if you read 10 books, mom or dad will take you out to lunch. You know, go up the block and get a hamburger or something like that. So little things like that, would it really goes a long way to have the kids inspired to read. I mean, I remember back when I was my kid, my son's age, and doing the library reading, reading program over the summer and knocking out like 12 books just so I can get, I think it was like a folder. It was something, you know, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. nothing, but but I did it, and I still remember that to this day. I'm 44 years old now, and I remember doing that when I was 9 or 10 years old.
3: Well, I tell you, if if when I was a kid, if somebody told me I got a prize for uh, reading 12 books, it better be a ten-speed.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but but you talk uh, about one thing that that might help is uh, p- piggybacking on their passions.
5: Yeah, that's right. Um, one of the things, and this was tough, uh, at least on our side uh, for my my son. We we kept trying to get different kinds kinds of books that he would like. Um, eventually, you know, one of the things that we came up with, and a lot of and this is something a lot of parents out there struggle with kids are really into gaming. They, you know, obviously you never really have to prompt them to sit in front of a video game and play that. But the good thing is there's a lot of literature around video games. Um, If it's, if they're a little bit older, you can get books like ready player one, which is kind of centered around an online gaming world. Um, But there's also games, uh, books that are specific to certain games or the characters might be gamers themselves. So it really gives a sense of, uh, of, Connection to the kids that are out there. Um, but yeah, finding their interests, finding books that align with what they're into, uh, that's obviously going to be the best way to get them into books. And it might still be a struggle, you know, it might still be something tough. So you might have to get three or four different books or try the different things before the kids really latch on to one. Um, but yeah, finding those interests and, and really um, steering them in the direction of the stuff they're already into. That'll make it so much easier for the parents to get the kids to um, you know dive into a book hopefully and read through them
3: you also suggest um, possibly making a themed reading nook um, how much of that is about the theme and how much of it is about Setting up an environment where reading is easy to do, if there's good lighting and and the the furniture is comfortable or or suited to um, reading for a, yeah. you know, some period of time, you know how how much of it is fun and how much of it is function.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it can be it, it can be something re- as simple as like you said, like a, just a spot with some good lighting. But I mean, if you have the resources and the time to do it turning a, a space in your house into a reading area that's specific for your child, that would be, that would just make it great for them because then they know that when they're in that spot, it's, that's what it's for. And it kind of maybe turns the, the reading experience into not just one of, you know, absorbing the words and maybe imagining it, but then all of a sudden you have this sense of like, this is a space for it. And um, the kids will kind of align that space with their thinking on books. And if it's cozy, if it's nice, then reading also can be cozy and nice. Um, so it's just a really a good 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 idea if you have kids who um, get distracted. You know, get them to a spot that's away from the TV, away from all the other stuff, and like you said, good light, comfortable spot. Um, maybe put together a, a beam if you want to, but really just somewhere that's quiet and relaxing
3: and and patrick you also uh, suggest setting a good example um, which which sounds to me like making uh, us grown-ups read too
5: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i hate to do it to everybody but um you know the studies they they showed that there's if you're if the parents are reading the kids are twice as likely to be be kids who also enjoy reading um my but, wife and I we both read and it, and it's not for every kid like I said my son didn't really get into it but um yeah
3: but setting but setting a good example you know it is great for reading but that's one of those things that that fits everything that you talk about is it really it is the job of parents to embrace uh, their kids education and you know, to, to set a good example in lots of different ways.
5: Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, the, the more that you are doing and showing the kids your process for everything, it doesn't have to be just reading the more they're going to emulate that and they're going to see, you know, the right way of doing things or or they're just going to notice like, Hey, look how hard my parents are working, especially now if everybody's working from home, the kids maybe have a better understanding of, how much you're doing for them, and it'll inspire them to also, you know, take that same role and start um, working harder, you know, reading more books if they see you sitting there reading. If they they see you every afternoon just popping down and getting in front of the TV or, you know, clicking away on the phone, that's what they're going to be doing because that's the accepted um, process of being an adult. But if you're sitting and reading and they see that you're enjoying it or if you're working hard and you're not, you know, grumbling about it, that's what that's what they're going to pick up on. They're going to pick up on hard work, on being a reader, on, you know, being nice to, to everybody around you. It really does kind of fall into every aspect of your life as, as a parent. It's just a, um, the, the kids are going to follow your lead. So leading well is really important. So that is absolutely not something for the kids to that uh, on this on this tip. It's 100 percent a parenting.
3: Well, I want to I run down the top five states very quickly. Uh, we mentioned Texas was number one at 83 percent, New Jersey and Illinois tied for second at 82 percent, Georgia at 79 percent, and then Michigan uh, in fourth place at 78 percent, but ahead of Ohio. At uh, yeah, were at seventy-seven percent. You
5: were happy that you beat out Ohio. Yeah, Michigan <laughs> people in
3: Michigan are always happy when we beat people in Ohio at anything. <laughs> um, it's uh, uh, funny. I had a conversation uh, earlier this week with um, a guy who just written a book called Barnstorming Ohio, and we had a lot of fun with the whole Michigan Ohio uh, oh, ri- rivalry. Um, but, but let me ask, the, the survey was uh, of 1,600 students uh, from around the country. Were they
5: primarily from the Brainly world? Um, you know what? I would have to go back and check and see where they pulled that from, all that data. I don't think it's all from the Brainly world because these were kids, students in the United States, and Brainly is a – it's it's all over the world. It's especially huge in Europe. Um, where the millions and millions of kids in Europe use it every month. Um, in the United States, it's actually just been growing the community of the in the United States. It's it's getting more and more wildly popular amongst kids. But um, I would I would have to double check on who they were surveying for this. But I don't think it was strictly the uh, Brainly community.
3: And and finally, Patrick, uh, since we're, we went a little longer than than I had. Uh, um, suggested that we would but but it's been such an interesting conversation and this is great news um i i i want to wrap it up with um as i do with all my guests an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more is is the whole study available somewhere that that people could could look at it and see how uh how the lesser states did
5: um, I, would, I can find uh, I can find the study and um, maybe get a link over to your website if you if you want to and maybe direct it to them. Um, but I just know that usually it's it's out. It's, it's if, you, if you go in and type up uh, Bringley and uh, States Reading, you're going to be able to find it on uh, a bunch of different publications out there. But I can see if I can find the direct results and get them over to you.
3: Well, Patrick, thanks so much for uh, sharing this information with me. Uh, today and uh, it was a real pleasure talking with you
5: yeah thank you so much for having me a great time talking to you as well
3: all right take care
5: thanks so much
3: bye-bye that was uh, patrick quinn a parenting expert at brainly talking about the uh, recent survey of 1600 u.s students and finding that 74 uh, percent of students nationwide said they read more unassigned books during the 2020 summer vacation than they did last year. And Michigan was among the top five, which is uh, great news for all of us uh, in Michigan. We're going to take uh, a short break, but we'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> Professional.
6: alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila!
3: Those hands, no matter
2: whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself
3: amazing find out more at coronavirus.gov a message from the cdc and the ad council
2: the interest of goodwill the hoffman beverage company feels compelled to make this announcement it's simply this all hoffman flavors have that happy taste except sarsaparilla we might as well come right out with it we haven't quite hit that happy carefree note in sarsaparilla now please don't misunderstand us our hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable it's trustworthy, it's loyal, and many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange, it's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman study sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you. Could you be happy? If your name This is U.S
3: irrelevant. Senator Gary Peters and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program.
2: Ladies and gentlemen in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson.
3: Like most married women Blanche Bickerson is a romanticist. Having talked poor husband John into taking her on a second honeymoon, 3 o'clock in the morning finds Mrs. Bickerson in the lobby of a small hotel at Niagara Falls. Exhausted and bleary-eyed from the long drive, John Bickerson unloads the luggage outside as his wide-awake wife talks to the night clerk. Let's listen.
4: It doesn't really matter about the room as long as we have a nice view of the Falls.
3: Yes, ma'am.
4: I'll bet you don't remember me.
3: No, ma'am.
4: Well, I wouldn't expect you to with all the honeymoon couples you meet. I was here seven years ago.
3: Is that so? Yes. (laughs) Well, better luck this time.
4: Oh, we're still married to each other. (laughs) We're just having a second honeymoon. Do many people do that?
3: No, ma'am.
4: I wonder why.
3: I wouldn't know, ma'am.
4: Are you married?
3: No, ma'am. Arthritis makes me walk this way. Will you please sign the register?
4: Oh, I'm sorry. Last time we were here, we had to wait two days for a room. We stayed in a motel in Buffalo. Oh, here you are.
3: Thank you. Is that Bickerson?
4: Yes. Didn't I sign it right?
3: Yes, ma'am. Mrs. John Bickerson and husband. Here's the key, room 318. There's the automatic elevator over there. We don't have any bellboys
0: at night.
4: Oh, that's all right. I'll go out to the car and get my husband. John? Where is he? He's not in the car. I wonder if he took the luggage out of the trunk. Good heavens! John! Get out of that trunk, you darned fool! John! John! John!
3: Blanche! 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 Shut the door. There's a draft.
4: Come out of that thing.
3: All right, all right, all right. Don't pull. Ow! My hand!
4: Oh, serves you right. Pick up that luggage and straighten yourself up. Ow! I don't want you to go in that nice hotel looking like a -a ragamuffin.
3: It's a nice muffin. Um, Grab a couple of these bags, will you, Blanche?
4: No! It wouldn't look right on our honeymoon. Come on!
3: Oh, my back. Where's the bellboy? We don't have any at night. Are you the clerk? Yes, sir. Where's the register? I I want a room with a bed.
4: I've already signed it. You've got a room.
3: Good. Where are you going to sleep?
4: Come on, John. Stop dragging your feet.
3: I just drove 2,000 miles for a second honeymoon. Lead me to
4: my room. You had to talk like that in front of the clerk. Oh, let me sleep, will you, Blanche? I'd just like to go one place with you that you didn't embarrass and humiliate me. You've been unbearable since we left home. Keep going. In here? Yes. Pull the bags in so I can shut the door.
3: No windows? No nothing? How much do they get for this broken-down room?
4: This is the elevator!
3: (laughs) Oh, well, push the button or something and get it started. I can't keep my eyes open another minute.
4: I was afraid this would happen. I'd hope that going on a second honeymoon would bring us closer together.
3: Can't get much closer than this, unless you throw the luggage out.
4: Every time I want you to be romantic. You're so distant, John. What is keeping us apart?
3: The brown suitcase. What floor are we on? I'm sleepy.
4: You're always sleepy. When you're not sleepy, you're humiliating me. I'll never be able to face that night clerk in the morning.
3: You won't have to.
4: Why not?
3: There'll be a day clerk. Which way is the room?
4: I don't know, and I don't care. I'm gonna stay in the elevator.
3: Oh, come on, will you, Blanche?
4: Well, say you're sorry.
3: I'm sorry. Now, where's the room?
4: Right in front of you, 318.
3: Well, open the door before I collapse. Thank heaven, I gotta get some sleep.
4: Well, put the lights on. Don't stumble around in the dark.
3: Don't want to open my eyes. Just aim me at the bed and give me a shove.
4: I'm not gonna let you sleep until you undress properly and unpack the luggage.
3: Oh, Blanche, why'd you have to bring so much stuff?
4: You've got as much stuff as I have.
3: I have not. All I brought was my toothbrush and my overnight bottle.
4: You and that bourbon. You wouldn't take five steps away from home without it.
3: Well, I can still remember what happened when we got snowbound in that cabin.
4: That wasn't so terrible.
3: Oh, not much. I had to live for two weeks on nothing but food and water.
4: Don't throw my things around like that.
3: There's no closet. Where shall I put these dresses?
4: In the drawer.
3: Where do you want these drawers?
4: In the dresser. Fold up your pants neatly and put them under the mattress. Okay. Well, take them off first. John, what a fool I was to think you'd changed. The second honeymoon was just as big a mistake as our first one.
3: Oh no, it wasn't.
4: I'm so sorry you made me go on this trip that I could just die.
3: I didn't make you go. You shanghaied me. You even tried to get me to marry you again.
4: Was that such an unreasonable request?
3: Yes, it isn't legal.
4: Why not?
3: A man can't be punished twice for the same crime.
4: Oh, that's too bad about you. How you shamed me in front of all my friends, and after I sent the invitations out too.
3: Well, I wasn't gonna have any formal a wedding and put out a lot of dough to feed your hungry friends and their squalling brats.
4: There wouldn't have been any brats there at all.
3: How do you know?
4: Because I said plainly on the invitation Mr. and Mrs. John Bickerson will be married March 9th. No children expected.
3: Put out the lights.
4: I'm never going back to that horrible apartment we live in. I'm going to sit here and stare at the falls forever. Wouldn't hurt you to look at them either, John.
3: I see them every day on the shredded wheat box.
4: How can you be so cynical? I'm glad I have a little romance in my soul. Just the sight of those falls brings back memories.
3: Mm, uh, yeah.
4: Sit up, John. Look at that cascade. Doesn't it remind you of something? Yeah. What, John?
3: I think I left the water running in the bathtub.
4: John, you didn't.
3: Okay, I didn't. Good night, Blanche.
4: I never should have trusted you to lock up. Now I'm really worried. Did you close all of the windows?
3: Close the windows. You didn't
4: leave any lights burning, did you? Uh, no. Did you leave food for the cat?
3: Left enough for a week.
4: What did you leave him?
3: A six-pound tin of corned beef.
4: Did you empty it into a plate? No, no. Well, how do you expect the cat to eat?
3: I left the can opener on top. Stop worrying about the
1: cat.
4: We should have taken all the animals with us. Poor little canary locked in the cage. Cat can't get out of the house. And who is going to feed the goldfish? Oh, I'll bet they're terribly unhappy.
3: Oh, they're not unhappy. They're having a fine vacation.
4: They are not.
3: They are, too. When I left, the cat was fishing.
4: Fishing? Where?
3: In the goldfish bowl. He was using the canary for bait.
4: John Pickerson!
3: Oh, go to sleep. The canary and the goldfish are fine, and I wish the cat would drop dead.
4: Don't talk like that. I love that cat. When I get home, I'm going to enter him in a cat show.
3: What for? He couldn't win anything.
4: Maybe not, but he'd meet a lot of nice cats.
3: Go to sleep, will you, Blanche?
4: I'm not sleepy. Why don't you sit up and talk to me?
3: Blanche, people don't talk at four in the morning.
4: You talked until five o'clock on our first honeymoon. You kept reciting poetry and telling me how beautiful I was. Do you remember what you said, John? No. You told me your love for me was like a raging inferno. You said you had a fierce fire blazing in your breast like a live coal. What happened to it, John?
3: It's only a clinker now.
4: (laughs) How can you say such terrible things to me?
3: Blanche, I'm so sleepy, I don't know what I'm saying.
4: I'd like to hear you say things like that to Gloria Goosby. Can't
3: I even go to Niagara Falls without Gloria Goosby?
4: The only reason you didn't was because she wouldn't have you. What? You proposed to her 15 times before you proposed to me. You big second fiddle, you.
3: I never proposed to Gloria Goosby, and you know it. And the next time I see her, I'm going to punch her husband Leo right in the nose.
4: What have you got against Leo? He's a better husband than you are.
3: I'm sick of hearing that, too. Leo Gooseby is a cheap chiseling bum.
4: He is not. He's more generous than you.
3: Would Leo Goosby give you a new dress? No. Would he give you a new hat? No. Would he give you a mink coat? No.
4: Would you give me a mink coat?
3: No. Why should I give you anything? Leo wouldn't.
4: Stop screaming. You'll wake up the whole hotel.
3: Well, stop goading me. You want me to do nothing but Fight, fight, fight.
4: No, I don't. All I do is ask for proof you love me. And you go into a tantrum.
3: Blanche, what more proof do you want? I tell it to you a thousand times a day. I raise a new crop of freckles to spell out I love you. I painted it on all the Burma shave signs.
4: Somebody's at the door, John. Honey, honey, honey.
3: Honey! Madam, this is not a beehive. It's my bedroom. What are people wandering around in the halls this time of night? With Don't
4: be so crabby. It's probably some nice little bride who can't find her husband. Maybe he's lost.
3: He isn't lost. He's hiding. Put out the lights, will you, Blanche? I've got a dial headache.
4: Nobody told you to yell your brains out. Can I? If you just stand here and look at the falls for a few minutes... Your headache will go away and you'll sleep fine. Mm. Where does all that water come from? I once read it goes over at the rate of 346,000 gallons a second. John? Yeah? Are the falls higher on the American side or on the Canadian side? I don't know. I'll have to find out in the morning. What a majestic spectacle. I'm convinced there's nothing in the world like Niagara Falls.
3: Except you, Blanche.
4: Really, John? Why do you say that?
3: Because you never dry up either.
4: Good night, John.
1: The Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com